0: Are you
1: recording now? This is gonna sound weird.
0: Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder, um, I like now some. I, I do have UGG slippers, and I wow. do wear them religiously. Rich bitch. I got them on Black Friday. Okay. Have you not noticed this about me? Anything I own, probably bought on Black Friday. My coffee maker, Black Friday. True these shoes black friday
1: well this year black friday is like going on for the entire month of november (laughs) i don't understand i'm sorry i want it to come out on the night even if i can't go to the store i was planning on furiously getting on my laptop like as soon as it hit midnight on friday or something while go home for thanksgiving and you know what I got deals out. It's no fun. And I don't think they're as good as they usually are.
0: No. And I don't know what's on sale because <gasps> typically I would get, you get the paper the week yeah. of Thanksgiving and you'd know that Walmart's having an air fryer for $10 or whatever the hell you want. And then you just order online or what, where is the fun? Where is Where's the, the flavor? <laughs> where is the fun in me, uh, you know, waking up and having to either get on my laptop or whatever.
1: I was excited about this Black Friday because you weren't gonna have nobody was gonna be able to drag you out to a store, okay? Because that's just not safe at this point. So it was
0: never safe. People used to get it, mauled. At the table. Not gonna lie, I was people gonna, would get in fist fights over ninety-eight cent waffle irons at the Walmart. I did get in a fight with somebody over a pair of nineteen dollars boots at Belks. Oh yes, <laughs> I was gonna say that. So we, me and my, um, my. she's my grandma we call her my MAGA we used to go to uh, Belk's every single... <laughs> it's not affiliated with any political party. <laughs> um, we used to go to Belk's on Black Friday and they would have the $20 boots. Yes. And I'm telling you, it was like a scene out of a movie when we go in there because it would just be chaos. Mm-hmm. Kids would be crawling on the floor. Uh-huh. People would be getting like 10 pairs of boots and just have like a stacked up as tall yes. as them. People would be fighting. It literally reminds me of... I know you've never seen the movie. You still haven't seen the movie. Jingle all the way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Watch it, everyone. Coming into that Christmas season. But that's what it reminds me of.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. Also, um, looking back on it, those boots really uh, weren't really quality boots. Why
0: do you need 10 pairs of boots? And they're all, they're not, I mean, they're $20 boots. They ain't that cute. No, they
1: weren't. And you live
0: in North Carolina, so it's. Well, if you, live, if you live somewhere where they have a belt, because you live in the South, so it really doesn't get <laughs> that cold for you to have 10 pairs of boots. And was, so I just don't know what They we were, were always,
1: like, riding boots, which mm-hmm. you would
0: not catch me dead in a pair of
1: riding boots these days. <laughs> I wore, so I still had some last year, and I put them on just because I just needed something to put on, and I was, like, immediately almost threw up. <laughs> if you wear riding boots still, that, you know, that's your thing. That's nice, but I look terrible
0: and then I just can't. It reminds me of high school. I was gonna say I try to avoid anything that reminds me of what I used to wear in middle school and high school. Yeah. So Mm. looking at you, hoodies. I know. Um, Fuck a hoodie. I'm looking at you, Roxy brand. Uh, god I uh, I
1: never went too far into the Roxy brand.
0: (laughs) I lived at the beach, so that's true. That's true. But all right, well welcome to this is gonna sound weird. (laughs) Uh, a podcast where evidently we care a little bit too much about... Boots. boots. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week's theme is Family Man Murders. Um, oh, Taylor, I'm going to let you go first because I went first last week. Are you going to let me go first? Uh-huh. I think I would like to defer.
1: <laughs> I'd like to defer this option till next year. Yeah. Well,
0: you don't have you to can, wait too
1: long. You get to tell two stories every week until we hit January and then
0: I'll... Then I'll come back. I think we're gonna lose some followers if I do that. You They're think? gonna be, yeah. I think, there's, think prob- so? there's probably people that are Team Sydney and Team Taylor, right? I hope so. <laughs> Can we get t-shirts
1: made? <laughs> we'll make t-shirts out of. Uh- bubble paint <laughs> and we'll sell to y'all <laughs> i used to make a lot of those back in my middle school days
0: and get those iron-on letters from ac Moore.
1: yeah team sydney team taylor and then sydney will feel bad when everybody buys team taylor shirts <laughs> <laughs> just kidding sometimes i realize that um not only do i have a southern accent but i don't enunciate very well and so i'll literally be listening to my own self on the recording and i'm like what, what the fuck did i just say Like No, it sounds like I'm eating, like, a piece of chicken, and I just don't know how to talk. She's got a piece of backer in her mouth. uh, would be (laughs) throwing up. Anyway, sure, I'll go first. Fine, whatever. All right. Tell me, what's your story on? So, I'm doing... john wayne gacy Ooh, i've never heard of him i haven't either until this just kidding so you know if you're listening to this podcast you know who john wayne gacy is if maybe I'm, maybe i feel like a lot of you probably if probably. you don't then maybe you're here for the paranormal side and not the true crime side because this is a podcast about paranormal true crime and everything in between and that is we did not say that at the beginning
0: but well, this I'm, is true but
1: i'm doing john wayne gacy And so, my sources are Murderpedia, Wikipedia, and Biography.com. There, I'm going to go ahead and say this up top, people. There is so much information on this man. Like, an incredible amount of information. The Wikipedia page alone is ridonkulous. So,
0: I've done a shortened version. This is the, the theme throughout this podcast is there's too much information. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. But also, I feel like the people who listen to this podcast
1: expect a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. You know? And they don't want us to be on here for like three hours. Because if we did all the information, this story right here would probably be a two-hour yeah, baby. Yeah, have, we'd have to do a, a two-parter. So, we're condensing it. Anyways... John Wayne, G- also, since this was family man murders, and, like, the whole thing is about them being, like, a nice family man turned...
0: They seem like well, a nice seem family like man. It.
1: So, it really had to, you know, you really had to go into the life before the crime. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, look, I don't have to justify myself. I own this bitch. <laughs> You're in my apartment, and I'm leasing this bitch. Do you own this bitch? <laughs> I'm leasing it for the oh. next, I don't know, 10 months. That's fine. You know what? We'll, we'll take this back to my house. <laughs> <laughs> you don't own that either. Damn it. I'm homeless. <laughs> okay, anyways. John Wayne Gacy. Born March 19th. March 17th, 1943, Chicago, Illinois. He was the son of Danish and Polish parents. His father was an auto repair mechanic and a World War I veteran. And his mother was a homemaker. So she's a little stay-at-home mom. Fun. Sounds terrible for me. I would die. Yeah, you can't cook worth a shit, so. I can cook better now. (laughs) Raising children every day, all day. Never. Uh, His father was an alcoholic and was known to be abusive toward him and his siblings, as well as his mother. He would physically assault pretty much every member of the family. And John Wayne Gacy's sisters were like, basically at some point we just all had to toughen up and learn how to deal with it. But uh, Gacy really, John Wayne Gacy couldn't really toughen up too much uh he had a real close relationship with his mom and his sisters but with his dad it wasn't so great um along with the physical abuse his dad would mentally abuse him a lot he would call him dumb and stupid and would compare him to his sisters in an unfavorable way so he basically was saying that Gacy was like a sissy because you know he was real close to his mom and his sisters Mm -hmm. and so his dad thought that he was like you know just not a manly man And his dad would often make remarks that Gacy would probably um, end up gay, which at this time in his family was said in a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. You know, we were back we were in the 70s, so. Uh, Gacy also faced some troubles at school because he was alienated from his peers because uh, he had a congenital heart condition that made it to where, like, he was unable to, like, play on the playground with other kids. And he was in the hospital a lot. But his dad, like, he was in the hospital, like, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. But his dad said that he was faking his condition and said that he was doing it to gain sympathy and attention, (laughs) which my thing is, how can a little kid fake? He's paying off
0: the doctors. Like,
1: fake a congenital heart, like, disease? Which it did say it wasn't necessarily confirmed, but I'm also, like, it was also the 70s. So, I mean, I don't think you can fake whatever was probably going on, especially if you're, like, actually in the hospital and you have, like, machines hooked up to you and shit. Yeah. I don't know. His, well, clearly his dad's not the best guy, if you couldn't tell. Mm. So, he, Gacy continued to have difficulty in school. He ended up attending four high schools during his senior year, which I'm like, how? Is that even possible? But he never graduated, so he dropped out. And at this point, he decided he was going to leave Chicago and move to Las Vegas. Yeah. And while he was there, he worked as a part-time janitor in a mortuary. Random job to take Mm, when you go to Vegas. That's (laughs) not what I would do in Vegas. I think you could do that in Chicago. Um, But he was unhappy in Las Vegas and ended up moving back to Chicago uh, just a few months later. Now, while he was there, what was said to have prompted his move back was, uh, was pretty odd. So, one night, he was working at the mortuary. You know, he was a janitor, so he worked there at night. Mm -hmm. He apparently climbed into a coffin with a dead teenage male and embraced and caressed the body uh, before he experienced a sense of, quote, shock that freaked him out. And so, after this, he called his mom and asked if his dad would allow him to move back home. And she said yes. What do you mean a sense of shock? I'm not sure. I took shock as in he was shocked that he enjoyed ca- ca- oh my. <laughs> that he enjoyed a- caressing a dead body. Okay. Um so you know take that as you will. That was just I put, you know, that's all that's all just a little tinge of foreshadowing for you. Now, during the early 1960s, Gacy was kind of getting his life together at this point. He enrolled in a business college, and while he was there, he learned he was actually a pretty talented salesman. And in the Murderpedia, it says he was a born salesman and he could talk his way in and out of practically any situation. So, there you go. He's finally got something going for him. In 1963, he graduated from college and took a management trainee position with the Nunn Bush Shoe Company. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> and in 1960. You're talking about the, the Nun Bush <laughs> shoe company? The Nun Bush. <laughs> wonder what kind of sho- I should have looked it up. wonder what kind of shoes they sell. I'm picturing just like ugly ass loafers. Yes, <laughs> exactly
0: what I was going to say. Like little black shoes that nuns would wear.
1: Uh, or like your little granny would wear. Yes, that's what I'm picturing. I'm not sure. Maybe they make some banging-ass $19 boots. <laughs> Which in the 70s probably wouldn't be so it cheap. Would have been 19 cents. <laughs> so in 1964, the Nunn-Bush Company moved him to Springfield, Illinois to work as a salesman. He was eventually promoted to manager of his department. And in that same year, he got engaged to Maryland? Marlon? you would think it would be Marilyn, but mm-hmm. it's spelled M-A-R-L-Y-N-N. So, I'm going to say Mar- Mar- Marilyn mm-hmm. Myers. And she was a co-worker, so she also worked at Nun Bush. <laughs> so, while dating slash being engaged to Marilyn, he joined the local JCs in the area, which is basically like a Chamber of Commerce member. Okay. I didn't know what that was, but they kept mentioning it. Basically, it's just some nice thing to be involved in in the community. Uh, but in 1964, after he had joined the Jaycees, uh, he had another odd experience. Um, they described it as a homosexual experience, but I'm just going to tell you what happened. So, okay. according to Gacy, one of his colleagues um, in Springfield Jaycees got him really drunk and invited uh, Gacy to come spend the night on his couch. And Gacy said, sure, I will. And apparently, the Jaycee member then performed oral sex on Gacy while he was drunk, and um, That kind of sounds like he got took advantage of, but also, as we can see later, Gacy is not probably the most stand-up man. Mm -hmm. But this incident, no matter what happened, consensual or not, did not deter him from staying in the JCs and hanging out with them Mm -hmm. them boys. Because in 1965, he was elevated to the position of vice president of the group. Man. Really don't know the ranking of the JCs, but it sounds pretty high up to me. So, then in September 1964, after six men engaged to a... old Maryland for six months. They got married and they ended up moving to Waterloo, Iowa, because Gacy was going to manage three KFC restaurants that maryland's father had purchased for them to manage. So basically she was came from like a rich family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her dad was like, We're gonna buy this and then your husband can come manage these restaurants. So that's what he did. And all (laughs) the free chicken you could eat. I know. So at this time, you know, Gacy was doing well. He had a wife, a good career He was just a normal old guy, but there was always a little something weird happening in the background, um, which was growing a little more concerning as it went on. So while living in Waterloo and managing all of these KFCs, he opened up a, quote, club in his basement, and he would invite his employees to come over and drink and play pool with him, which doesn't necessarily sound that bad, but most of the people that would come over were teenagers, Mm. and he would socialize mostly with the teenage boys. And he would often give them alcohol and then make sexual advances toward them. And if they didn't, like, reciprocate the advances, he would just be like, Oh, I'm just kidding. Or he would be like, I was trying to test your morals, son. Which is just very odd. I don't like it. Because at that point, I'm like, but if they had said yes, you would have been like, all right, let's do this. So
0: just very odd. I mean bringing teenagers back to your listen if you are hanging out with teenagers and you're not blood related to them don't don't there's no reason to that you would want to sorry teenagers yeah there's
1: just no reason yeah i don't are they someone's brother yeah for real and even if they are still weird no if you look if you are over the age of 21 and you want to drink with somebody
0: drink with somebody over the age of 21 you know yes and if you want to drink with somebody (laughs) and you don't know somebody go to the local bar find your friend Mm mm-hmm don't find a teenager. <laughs> yeah, go go to a restaurant and sit at the bar and talk to the bartender if you got to. Honestly, befriend an old man. They would love that. This is true. Old I, people love to just sit in random public places. Yes, to, like drink a coffee in the middle of the mall or something like that. I'm so good at chatting with old men in bars.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's because like you know my dad, my family on like you know car business, and so there's I always just hung out with like old car salesmen men all the time. I know how to go back and forth with them. They really like me. But sometimes I think it gets a little creepy because, you know, they think I'm cute or something. It's okay. I'll be flirted with by a 70-year-old man in a bar. Brandon don't mind. (laughs) He'll flirt back. (laughs) We'll all flirt. (laughs) Everyone will be very confused about what's happening. (laughs) In the end, they'll just end up going home with Brandon and I'll be like, see y'all later. I'll stay here me. find me a nice hot boy walking in. Just kidding. Where I live. There are no hot boys, except for Mm Brendan. Maybe. Uh, So, in 1966, we're back on this. You know what? 1966, Gacy and his wife had a son. And then, in 1967, they had a daughter. And he described this point in his life as perfect. So, everything was going great. What what could go wrong? You know, I don't know. Because he finally was able, at this point, to gain his father's approval... And when visiting the, his dad came to visit the new babies and his father apparently said to him, son, I was wrong about you. So his father, you know, was proud and you know, if you got a strained relationship with your dad and he says he's proud of you, it's really all mm-hmm. you need, even though he was a piece of shit. Sorry, John Wayne Gacy Sr. I think that was his name. Mm-hmm. Um, however, things would not remain perfect for long, if you were curious. In 1968, Gacy was arrested for the first time, and it was a felony charge for attempting to coerce a male employee into homosexual acts, and this came as a huge surprise to everyone who knew Gacy. Now, Gacy pled guilty to sodomy and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Following his sentence, his wife filed for divorce, you know. Um, And after only serving 18 months, he was paroled in 1971 and moved back to Chicago, where he went to work um, as a construction contractor. And at that time, he started his own construction business. Now that I read this again, I feel like there's got to be something more than just trying to coerce somebody to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. I know it was the 70s, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. But I have a feeling that the employee probably was under the age of
0: oh yeah for 18. Some, cause this was at the kfc yeah. yeah i envision like someone who maybe like this is their summer job where uh-huh. they, they're making some extra money the parents said they got to pay for gas whatever yeah.
1: it is it's also not good for your boss to be trying to have sex with you
0: at all at all so keep that in mind people i don't care if they are a what? a c <laughs> I don't care if they're haunt or if they're a CEO, or if they are just a, a floor manager. <laughs> don't. It, it don't. And if they are weird, you go to HR and you sue the ass. <laughs> sue them. Just sue the shit out of them. <laughs> Get that check, bitch. Get
1: that fat check. Um, so following, you know, this whole mess, he remarried, you know, moved to, I don't know how you say this, Des Plaines? Dayplanes. You asking the wrong person. I think it's Des Plains, but we'll go with that. Where is it located? I think it's in Illinois. I have it somewhere in here. Pretty sure it's Illinois. Sorry. There's so much information. Um, But then again, in 1971, he ran into more trouble with the law because he was charged this time with attempted rape of a young man. But these charges ended up being dropped. So, but even after all of this, you know, arrested once, gone to jail. Uh, arrested twice just got off the hook the second time he was still very well liked in his community Mm -hmm. and he would often host elaborate street parties for friends and neighbors and at this point the construction business that he had opened up called pdm contractors um began to expand very quickly and he worked a lot everybody thought he was just you know a hard-working man living in suburbia he was also a member of the Chicago Jolly Joker Clown Club, <laughs> uh, where he um, he frequently performed as a clown in events around Chicago. You know, and his names um, that he went as were Pogo the Clown and Patches the Clown. Now, if y'all haven't seen his clown pictures, That's
0: creepy. I would never want that man around me at all. Yeah, it's also, but I think about it like. If you are a kid in the neighborhood and you know that it's just Mr. Casey that lives down the street, True. you know, you probably don't think anything of it. You're like, well, I mean, his makeup could be better, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I also think that at this point, clowns weren't as creepy as they are now. I
1: think, I think that so he
0: really made them. made them. And then from yeah. there, and then, you know, Stephen King saw it and it just ran with it.
1: Yes. And American Horror Story continued to run with it with that. You what know, it was? Well, that was twisty. based off of John Wayne. Yeah. So, but yes, I also heard on one, like, podcast I was listening to, they were talking about John Wayne Gacy's clown makeup. Mm-hmm. And the other clown said that his makeup was, like, different than how they would do theirs to where he would make his look, like, more menacing, almost, like, on purpose. Yeah. Like he point, he like would do it like pointy or something. I don't mm -hmm. know
0: too much about clown makeup. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there's a really good podcast called uh, You're Wrong About, and they do an episode on like killer clowns Um, and why people think that clowns clowns are going to kill you. (laughs) Um, And people talk about how it's unsettling that clowns' makeup is always like smiling. Uh And like it's just very, it really creeps us out. It's the same thing like when you have like a, a doll its face stays the same yes. it's really creepy because a human face your expressions change
1: yes i'm looking at his clown makeup right now and it is quite scary because his mouth like goes into like instead of just being like kind of circle around his mouth it's mm. like goes into these weird weird points they'll like devil horns it's disgusting you know it's disgusting and i hate it um, but you know he was a clown and everybody liked him, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the group would also they would perform at fundraising events and parades, and they would even volunteer um, to perform for like children who were in the hospital. So I guess back in the day, instead of having superheroes come visit you in the hospital, it was a scary fat man
0: in a clown suit. <laughs> Before Robert Downey Jr. really took off, uh, um, and but things at home he tries to scare the the illness scare the, away, the
1: shit out of them. So, we're gonna scare this out of you, son. <laughs> We're gonna scare this illness out of you. you. Stay, just scare them to death, and never make them want to leave the hospital to have to see that shit in the street. <laughs> um, now, so things in the community—he's well liked in his community. He's also a part of like the Democratic Party, like convention in his town. So he's like in politics. You know, of course, he's in politics, trying to h- hobnob with fancy people. Mm. Uh, but things at home weren't quite as well. Uh, his in 1975, he told his wife that he was bisexual, which I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but on Mother's Day of that year, he told they had sex, and he told her that would be the last time that they ever had sex. Was it that bad? I don't know, which I'm like, okay, maybe do you, you just hate her? Like, odd. And after that, he would begin spending many evenings away from the house and returning very late in the morning, home so maybe he just said that so he could be like i don't want to have sex anymore that's why i'm not in the house tonight okay why don't you get off my back i already told you we're not fucking anymore like, god every time i walk in this house your hands are on me woman. yeah and i'm like yeah but that's what it yeah, was that's what it is. um and during this time is when he really began to show some signs of the bad things to come um and especially when it came to like the people he started to hire to work for his construction company mm-hmm and most of these uh, people consisted of, you guessed it, young high school aged men, or boys. I don't want to call them boys. I don't know if that's rude, but you know what I mean. They're young. They're too young. They're too young to be working on construction. Which I guess they're gonna mess my house yeah. up. <laughs> so in 1975, Gacy hired a 15 year old named Anthony Anon Anonucci. Antonucci. sorry i probably said that wrong um and gacy went to his home and now i don't know why he was going to his house like the boy's house mm-hmm. um but while they were there the two drank a bottle of wine and watched a stag film and then all of a sudden gacy wrestled the boy to the floor and cuffed his hands behind his back and before he was able to free himself no He cuffed his hands behind the boy's back. But the boy was able to get out of the handcuffs. And then he was able to wrestle Gacy to the floor. And actually cuff Gacy's hands behind his back. So they did a real
0: switcheroo. And at first... That's impressive. John Wayne Gacy's a big boy.
1: But you know, some some teenage boys it could have been maybe he was got all the adrenaline yeah and you know he probably he might could have slipped out of them handcuffs mm-hmm. um at first gacy was threatening him you know after he'd handcuffed him but then he calmed down and promised that if the boy would uh, remove the handcuffs he would leave leave him alone and so eventually um anthony agreed and let gacy go but before gacy left he said not only are you the only one who got out of the cuffs
0: You got them on me. So, very ominous quote to leave with. This also makes it sound like he's done this before. Mm -hmm. You know, you ain't the first one I've tried this on. No.
1: So, in 1976, Gacy's second wife divorced him. You know, they ain't fucking anymore. I guess, what else, what is there else to stay with for? She said, though, really it was because she couldn't cope with his unpredictable moods and his bizarre obsession with homosexual magazines which on its face isn't weird clearly but you know if you're married and you got this secret life yeah. and you're never showing up at home and you're like i'm not gonna fuck you lady like leave me alone i guess at that point you're like why are well, we
0: together <laughs> it's also just i feel like if you're in a relationship and your your man is watching is like looking at any magazine Yeah. Of somebody sexually, I'm going to be like, this is an issue. Brandon's looking at a magazine. Lord of mercy. Where would he get that (laughs) magazine from? We don't get magazines. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And if he's reading a magazine and he's not at the doctor's office. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. So things are clearly escalating
1: at this point. um, But the true height of it wasn't until 1978. So in 1978, there was a teenage stock boy named Robert Peist who worked at a local Des Plaines pharmacy, and he went missing. So after he went missing, the police focused in on Gacy because he was the last person to be seen with this boy. So Gacy had gone to the pharmacy that Peist worked at to discuss a potential remodel deal with the pharmacy owner. And while he was there, he mentioned to Peist that he um, would often hire men around his age. He was 15, Um. So he would hire like men around that age to come work for his construction company, and he paid like a lot. He said he was going to pay him a lot more than he made at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So you know that was a good deal. So shortly after Gacy left the pharmacy, Pice's mother came to the store to pick like him up to take him home, and because it, it was her birthday, and they were going to go like celebrate her birthday. But he asked his mom to wait, saying that a contractor had come by and that he wanted to talk to him about a job. Mm -hmm. So, he was going to go talk to Gacy about a job. So, he left the store at 9 o'clock and he said, I'll be back shortly. So, I don't know how we, I don't know if Gacy was going to take him somewhere, Mm -hmm. but he did not return. So, his mom was freaking out, you know, got the police involved. And so, like I said, the police were looking at Gacy because he was the last one to be seen with him. Mm-hmm. And the investigators ran a background check on Gacy, and they were shocked when they saw that he previously served time for committing sodomy on a teenage boy. Oh, my God. Um, and with this information, they were able to get a warrant searched house. So, the police executed the warrant at his house. They entered the crawl space under the house looking for stuff, and they noticed a terribly disgusting odor. But they assumed it was probably just faulty sewer lines and didn't think anything else about it. They dismissed it. They got some, you know, evidence while they were there, but none of it was, like, clearly incriminating. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't find a freaking body or nothing. So, they returned back to police headquarters. They're they still going to run some tests because, you know, they weren't just going to throw it away, which, thank God.
0: Now that is shocking considering, what was yeah. what year was this? Seventy seventy eight.
1: 78. Yeah, normally they'd just be like, ugh, God, all this evidence? Uh-huh. Throw it in the garbage. Throw it away. So, when they got back and were reviewing the items that they had taken, they realized that one that they had taken was actually a critical piece of evidence. It was a ring, and the ring belonged to another teenage boy who had disappeared a year earlier. And, with this information, the investigators were like, oh, fuck. We got, we got a serious problem here. That's exactly what they said. Um, <laughs> so based on this, they were able to get a second search warrant for Gacy's house. This time, you know, they were really going to go get him. But on December 22nd, 1978, Gacy realized that, uh, she was hitting the fan mm-hmm. and his little secrets were about to be exposed. So he confessed. He told the police that he had murdered approximately 33 young men over the past seven years And he even drew the police a detailed map to the location of 28 shallow graves that were under his house and garage. And he also admitted to dumping five others in the Des Plaines River that's so many people in like the
0: same town yes because it's weird because I mean like it makes sense that someone could get away with it for a long time if they were moving around Uh but the fact that it's all in the same town he seems to be pretty well known Uh you know what I mean like I feel like a lot of these people probably worked for him in some capacity Uh like when someone didn't think hey John didn't didn't Rick used to work for you? Yeah, you know what I mean,
1: but I think, which I'll kind of get to how he kind of got them, which maybe makes a little sense as to how he could do all this shit. So, like I said, as you can tell, there's a lot of victims. So I can't like on the Wikipedia it would tell like what happened almost to each one, mm-hmm. but he pretty much did the same thing to all of them mm-hmm. most. So I'm just gonna tell you his basic mo pretty much. Um So, he would usually lure one victim to his house, but on occasions, he would lure two. Some, he would lure with the promise of a job with his construction company, and others, he would just offer them to come drink or do drugs, because they're young. Mm -hmm. And and some of them, he would say, like, he would offer them money for sex, which I don't know how um, accurate that one is, and you'll see when I get further in. So, his victims included people that he knew, and he would also grab people from the Greyhound bus station mm. in something called Bug House Square, or just people off the street. So, like, if he was grabbing people from the bus station, it maybe not have been people that were, like, local to the mm-hmm. area. It could have been, like, runaways, you know? Yeah. Like, teenagers who were, like, trying to get away from their house. So, like, maybe they were, like, way far away from home, and nobody's really realizing what happened to them. So, some he would take by force and others he would pretend to be a police officer. And that's how he would get them to come with him. So, once Gacy got them to his house, he would give them drugs and alcohol and try to gain their trust. Mm -hmm. Then he would pull out a pair of handcuffs and say he was going to show them a magic trick. Mm. And sometimes he would say, you know, I'm a clown. This is part of my clown act. Not necessarily weird. He'd be like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. And then he would typically cuff his own hands behind his back first and then release himself and they'd be like, oh, you see, that was cool, I did that. And then so he'd be like, you know, offer to show the victim how they could also do the trick. So once he would handcuff the victim, he was said that he would make some sort of statement like, the trick is you have to have the key. And they would not mm-hmm. have a key. So then with the victim restrained, he would proceed to torture and rape them. He would sit on their chests, burn them with cigars. This one's weird. He would make them pretend to be a horse and like, like try to ride them around. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. And he would often violate them with um, objects, inanimate objects. You know, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say at this point. That's bad. It's mm-hmm. bad torture. We know what torture is, and it's no bueno. I'm sorry I said that. Yeah. I don't know
0: why I, I said why that. You said I that. Why I it's said not that. good, though. I agree. It's not
1: good. Um, but he would typically actually murder them by placing a rope tourniquet around their neck and tightening it. And as he would do that, he would say to them, this is the last trick. So it just fucked up. Like, not, mm-hmm. even, not only is he, is he killing you, he's like fucking with he's your mind. He's just being an asshole. He, yes, he literally is just being an asshole. And so, after he killed all these men, he would place their bodies under his bed for 24 hours and then bury them. I don't know what the fuck that's about. That just seems like... This isn't a tooth so waiting fucking for the weird. Yeah, nobody's gonna come pick it up from you. This is fucking weird. Um, And so, his murder trial began in 1980 in February, and it was a five-week trial. And during this, the prosecution and defense called over 100 witnesses to testify... And before the trials, he tried to convince his defense attorneys that he, like, had a multiple personality disorder. And he said he had four personalities, which were the hardworking, civic-minded contractor, the clown, that was just one of them, the active politician, and the policeman called Jack Hanley, whom he referred to as Bad Jack. He claimed that Bad Jack was the one that killed all of these men. Because Bad Jack detested homosexuality and viewed male prostitutes as weak, stupid, and scum. He considered his victims male prostitutes, but I don't actually... There was really no evidence to say that any of them... Sorry, I said prostitutes because that's what it said. I meant sex workers. None of them were actually sex workers, I don't think. And I said, even if they fucking were, it doesn't matter. Because... They're not, and uh, doesn't excuse you to murder them. But I actually don't think any of them were. They were, like, 15-year-old boys that were trying to, like, get a job mm-hmm. working as a contractor. They weren't coming to him, like, to get money for sex. Yeah. Um, but after the closing arguments, it took the jury only two hours to convict Gacy of murdering all 33 people. And in March 1980, he was sentenced to death. Now, all the names of Fib's victims are on Murderpedia, like all the ones that they know. So, if you want to go look at all of them, it's very easy to find on the Murderpedia Mm -hmm. site. There's literally so many. I would just have to sit here and just read a list of names. But you can go on that site and it'll give you a lot of information about the individual Mm -hmm. ones. You know, I want to respect them, but I don't want to just, like, throw their names out and be like, there you go. Um, So, he sat down for his last meal, Gacy, 1994. He ate fried chicken, french fries, coke. Strawberry and strawberry shortcake. Um, yeah, it sounds like a good meal, but the, fuck him, he shouldn't have been able to eat that. The fried chicken is a uh, funny because he was a KFC yeah. worker, uh, and the guards described him as chatty and
0: just talking up storm. Yes, that is normally how it goes. <laughs> I I actually called Taylor the other day because I was talking to someone that I know who used to work like as a security guard uh-huh. at the like central prison here in North Carolina. And uh, she had met Henry Wallace, which, you know, if you don't know who Henry, who Henry Wallace is, go back to our Hungry Murders episode. It's, like, one of the first mm. ones. Mm-hmm. And she described him as being very friendly and chatty, but, mm. like, obviously he had done all these horrible things. But, like, that's what's scary about these people is they can kind of just, like, turn it off and then turn it back on.
1: Mm-hmm. But he didn't say friendly and chatty for very long because just after midnight, May 10th, 1994... Gacy was executed by lethal injection, Mm -hmm. and his last words were, kiss my ass. (laughs) Uh, And that's the end of this god-awful story. Now, uh, we were going to do family man murders. I obviously wanted to do BTK, but it's too Mm -hmm. much. It's too, too much. And I was like, you know what, I'll do John Wayne Gacy. Everybody knows him. But then I forgot that I actually don't enjoy this story um, at all because it's just bad. I know everybody gets like the whole kitschy clown thing. is funny. I don't think it's funny. I just think it's creepy. And so I'm sorry I had to tell y'all that story. (laughs) But I know that some people like that because, I mean, everybody has a serial killer that fascinates them. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure this one fascinates some people. It doesn't fascinate me, but I told you that story anyway. So you're welcome.
0: Thank you. Um, it's not my top one, but I do distinctly remember when I was younger, like, I don't know when, you know, what, back when I was on my desktop computer at Uh my home, uh, I remember someone talking about, like, oh, there's this, like, a real killer clown, and I was like, what? And I remember Googling it Uh as, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe a middle schooler, I don't know, and I remember seeing the, he has, like, paintings that he drew of clowns, and I was like, this is insane. So, and he's just, I don't know. And I didn't realize,
1: I don't think I realized like how young his victims were. Mm-hmm. Like, they were children, mm-hmm. and that's just what is 15, like freshman yeah, year of college, that's or high like, school,
0: freshman year of high yes, school. Yes,
1: that's it's literally so young. And this is clearly just, like, a bad case of, well, he's clearly evil, but it's clearly some, like, repressed sexuality, mm. which is unfortunate because the at that time, you know, it was bad. Like, that happened to people, but um, it's not an excuse to murder a bunch of people at all. Mm-hmm. So, it was a whole, I think it was just a whole conglomeration of shit put together that just created a, what I'm going to call a massive shitstorm. I would agree. Sorry, I had but, to tell that. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> thank you for the story. You're welcome. All right. Well, mine's not going to be quite as detailed as yours, Taylor. Um, for time's sake. I was going to say, mine was got too long, but I also very much condensed it. So. <laughs> also, mine is fairly recent, so if you want more information, you can always get it from the sources that I'm about to list. So I'm doing mine on the Watts family and uh, my sources are Wikipedia, uh, a Netflix documentary entitled American Murder, uh, The Family Next Door, and Capturing Chris Watts, which is a very good, uh, it's like maybe like, I want say it's only like 45 minutes. I found it on Spectrum TV, oh. um, but it takes you into, like, there's a lot of footage Mm-hmm. In the documentaries, because this happened so recently. So it's a lot of body cam footage from um, uh-huh. investigators. And uh, they are able to analyze, like, body language. So they have mm. prosecutors that uh, are able to look at it and be like, this isn't matching up. Or, like, this person's acting this way. So it's pretty, really a good, uh, if you're into, like, sort of, like, it. psychological uh-huh. things. And you would probably like it, because it's got those prosecutors in it. So, Christopher Lee Watts and Shannon Catherine Watts met in 2010 through Facebook. Shannon was a little bit hesitant because Chris sent her a Facebook message, uh, like a Facebook invite, and she was like, uh, well, she just added him. She was like, whatever. I'll never meet this man. Well, meet him she did. Yeah. And the two got married in Mecklenburg County, which is located here she in North Carolina. In Charlotte. Uh Charlotte. On November 3rd, 2012, which to me kind of seems pretty quick to have met when did they meet they met in 2010 and they got married um, in 2012 so you, you met and married in two years That's pretty it's quick definitely quick considering me and Brandon have been together for seven <laughs>
1: almost and we're not getting married for a couple more <laughs> <laughs> you really want to make sure that he's the one well, you gotta make sure we met on facebook so i don't know gotta gotta I gotta be careful that's what i was gonna say <laughs> gotta be careful
0: um it worked out for y'all we'll see so in 2013 they moved to frederick colorado and in december of 2013 they welcomed their first child named bella marie watts and in july of 2015 their second daughter celeste catherine better known as cc watts was born and then they in the wikipedia page they mentioned that that was the same year that the family declared bankruptcy but um I'm gonna put it in just because they put it in, but I didn't find that to be super relevant in the in the events yeah. that are gonna unfold I later. I don't ever remember hearing that part of the story, but No. I mean, okay. So Chris was employed by Anadarko Petroleum, which is kind of like I guess like oil and gas and shit. So oh uh, yeah, I think
1: petroleum's some sort of oil. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> now I just sound like an idiot. I know
0: petroleum's a type of oil, but I don't know what you do. Petroleum jelly, like Vaseline. <laughs> yeah. um, and Shannon, that was her, That's how you pronounce it, Shannon okay sold a product called thrive which is part of a like mlm Uh, and she also was a a stay-at-home mom she was very involved Mm -hmm. with her kids and actually she seemed to be pretty into selling thrive because the weekend of august 12th shannon went on a business trip to arizona for a conference with her and a couple of other of her girlfriends that sold and so i guess it was time to hear like some keynote speakers Mm -hmm. so she left chris at home to watch the girls well, then, at one forty eight a.m. on August thirteenth, uh, twenty eighteen, her friend and colleague Nicole, who had been on this, mm-hmm. the trip with her, dropped her off at home. And throughout the weekend, Shannon hadn't really been feeling very well. She hadn't been acting herself. She wasn't eating much. Um, and Nicole wanted to check on, on her friend the next day um, because Shannon was pregnant. You know, um, you know, she's making me. You know, you're not eating well. I want to make sure you're doing yeah. okay. Um, but the next day, Shannon hadn't returned any of Nicole's calls or texts, so she was really starting to get worried.
1: Yeah.
0: And so Shanann was expecting the couple's third child, and they had planned to name him Nico because it was going to be a boy. That's kind of um, cute. Yep. It was going to be Nico Lee, and uh, she was 15 months, pr- or sorry, 15- Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> she was 15 <laughs> weeks pregnant at the time, uh, and that morning she had an OBGYN appointment. Which she missed, as well as a business meeting, which she had also missed. And this was very unlike Shanann to not answer her phone mm-hmm. and to miss appointments and not tell anyone. So, after Shanann didn't me- show up for her meeting, Nicole was really getting worried. Yeah. She decided to go over by the Watts family and see if everything was all right. When she arrived at the home, it was 12 10 p.m., and she found Shanann's car in the garage. She tried knocking on the door, but no one answered. It really didn't seem like there was anyone home. But she was she was worried, you know, maybe her friend had, you know, wasn't feeling well. Maybe she's passed out. So she calls the police. Mm-hmm. She notifies Chris, Shannon's husband, what's going on, and Chris says he'll he'll be home. Um, he he drives home from work. When Chris arrives, an officer is there to conduct a welfare check. And this is around 1 p.m. So Chris arrived at home and gave the police okay to search the home. Uh, now this is something that is interesting. Uh, they mentioned in the one documentary how when he arrives Mm -hmm. on the scene, he immediately opens the garage and goes into the home and he's in the home for a full, like, minute and a half with no one else in there before he lets police in. Interesting. Um, because police, they're not allowed to enter until yeah. you say. So he goes in through the garage and then comes out to the front door and lets mm-hmm. them in. So he, people are wondering, you know, what could have happened? Mm-hmm. Why is he in there alone? Is he yeah. trying to hide something? So, upon searching the house, they found no sign of Shannon or the girls. However, when they search Shannon's car in the garage, the girls' car seats were still in there, and they found her wedding ring on the uh, on the bed in the master bedroom.
1: Hmm.
0: Shannon's purse, containing her phone and keys, were also found on the scene. So obviously, she she like she didn't take, she anything. Didn't take anything. It wasn't like, like she like went to the store and then something happened. Also, she, like
1: somebody would have had to get her. It seems like because mm-hmm. her car's not there. Her car's there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is while searching the house, investigators noted how clean the house was and mm-hmm. how everything seemed like perfectly in its place, which you would think. Okay, if she didn't leave with her purse and the girls, then someone had to come into her home. Yeah. But if someone came into her home and attacked her, then wouldn't things be out of place? You would see something knocked over, you would see the bed wouldn't be made, the bed was made, you know, everything was in its place and nothing really seemed out of the ordinary, which in turn seemed out of the ordinary. Yeah. So, Chris initially told police he had no idea where Shannon, Bella, and Celeste, otherwise known as Cece, might be. Uh, and he had not seen his wife since 5.15 that morning when he left for work. So, the next day, August 14th, the FBI and Colorado Bureau of Investigations joined the, uh, the investigation. And they were officially declared missing people Mm -hmm. flyers were looking for shannon and the girls were distributed throughout the area and they had cadaver dogs going around the home looking for the girls but chris gave interviews to local news stations pleading for the return of the girls but neighbors noted that chris wasn't acting like, he typically did. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you could just chalk that up to, you know, he's in a stressful situation. Um, he typically is very reserved. doesn't talk very much. But during these interviews, he spoke a great deal. He was giving almost too much information to the police officers. Um, and he was fidgeting. But, you know, I guess everybody acts a little bit differently. But in the uh, one documentary, they really pick apart different um like physical movements that he does like he might say something and then his shoulders might shrug mm-hmm. um so I've, I've, I've seen the interviews they are
1: a little odd he's oddly he's, calm, o- he's but not calm and weirdly smiley but not smiley yes, he's, o- <laughs>
0: he's oddly calm he doesn't seem frazzled and i just think that if if like my kids if i had kids and they were missing I wouldn't be able to keep it together. I would have been, if, if I had kids and
1: they were missing, I'll be like, if y'all want to interview, y'all can follow me in this car because we're going driving, mm-hmm. trying to find
0: something, somebody. Um, Even in, like one of the investigators even said like, When I lose my kid in the Walmart for two seconds because they've gone to another aisle, like, I immediately freak out. Yes. And he's oddly calm, and it's been over 24 hours.
1: Heck, I freak out like that over Brandon. I'm like, where the hell are you? And he's a grown-ass man. Could Mm -hmm. you imagine what I'd do over a kid? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. The town
0: better just pack it up. (laughs) So, on August 15th, this was three days after the girls initially went missing, Chris agreed to participate in a polygraph test. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, From there, Chris asked to speak with his father because he had failed his polygraph test. Mm -hmm. And I will say, the woman who gives the polygraph test, she, the way she speaks is so well. She initially Mm -hmm. tells him, like, you know, it would be really stupid of you to participate in this if you're going to lie. Yeah. He's like, she's like, because this is going to, we're going to figure out the truth regardless. And, um... So, she she asked him a couple of different questions, and his charts are off, you know, like, because his breathing's unsteady, so she can clearly tell that he is lying. So, he has to speak to his father. When his father comes in, he confesses that the two, Shanann and himself, had gotten into a fight when Shanann had gotten back from her trip, mm. that Shanann had smothered Cece and Bella to death, and that Chris strangled Shanann in retaliation. Hmm. So, Chris told investigators where they could find the bodies of his family that they were placed at the job site, um, like the Andarko Petroleum job site mm-hmm. where he had been out, which is about 45 minutes away from the family's mm-hmm. home. So, Cece and Bella's body were found hidden in oil tanks on the property while Shannon was bur- buried in a shallow grave nearby. So... What had happened was Anne had grown suspicious of Chris. He was drawing away from her and the girls, and she was convinced he was having an affair. So she and Anne had confided in friends about their relationship troubles and the fact that their sex life was not what it had been. And, you know, normally they couldn't keep their hands off each other. They were really mm-hmm. in love, and he was drawing away. And she, she was concerned, but I think she really wanted to work through it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, she was pregnant, right? Yeah, so she was 15 weeks pregnant at the time, so she, re- I think she really wanted to work yeah. through it. Um, so, Shannon wanted to work through the marriage, but Chris really wanted that separation. After inve- further investigation, officials learned that the weekend that Shannon was away... Uh, on her business trip, Chris had lied to Shannon about his weekend plans. Hmm. He had told her that he was going to a Rockies game, uh, and when she checked her bank account, she saw a charge for $63 at the Lazy Dog restaurant. Hmm. Which, you know, she initially was like, maybe that's not too weird, you know, he probably just got some food mm-hmm. before the game. But $63 is a lot for one person to rack up. Even if you're drinking alcohol, you know. True. That's really more like, it makes it seem like you might have been there with someone else. Because mm-hmm. honestly, if you are there with the buddies, like your, your guy friends, you're not going to yeah. buy them beers. I mean, maybe, but no, probably not. Perhaps probably not. So, Chris later confessed to investigators that the night Shannon returned from her trip, the two had gotten in a fight. Shannon had confronted Chris about uh, what he had done that weekend, and that she knew he was having an affair. Chris told Shannon that he didn't love her anymore, and he began to strangle her. Mm. Then their daughter, Bella, walked into the room after hearing the commotion and asked what was wrong. Mm. When she entered the room. Shannon was face down on the bed, and Chris told Bella that Mommy was sick. From there, Chris wrapped Shannon's body in a sheet and placed her in the back seat of his work truck. He then put both Bella and Cece in the back seat and drove forty-five minutes to his work site. They were still alive at this point. Yeah. So once at the work site, Chris smothered three-year-old Cece with a blanket, and poor Bella had to watch. Oh God. Uh, and then he smothered four-year-old Bella, and her last words were, Daddy, no. So, after disposing of his family's bodies, Chris called the girls' school and told them that the girls were being unenrolled. He then contacted a realtor about selling his house and made, uh, sent text messages to his girlfriend, who he was having an affair uh-huh. with, about their future plans. That,
1: why well, would you like, that's so suspicious to call a fucking school and be like, I'm unenrolling my children. Like, mm-hmm. that's more suspicious than if you were going to go with the, like, story that they have disappeared, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I feel like, even if he hadn't confessed, that specific part would, and the fact that he was selling the house,
0: like, that's going to come back and bite you in the ass, like, mm-hmm. immediately. Yes. And it also, to me, tells me that this was premeditated. Oh, yeah. Because... I just feel like if you did this in a rage, uh-huh. you wouldn't might not be thinking clearly. But if you had thought this out, yeah, then you would be calm enough to call the school and interview news reporters. Yeah. So during the court case, Watts pleaded guilty to the murders, which meant that the death penalty was not put forward by the district attorney, mm. and Shannon's family also requested that they not put forth the. Uh, the death penalty because they did not wish for any further deaths yeah now on november 19th he was sentenced to five life sentences three consecutive and two concurrent without the possibility of parole he received an additional an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of shanann's pregnancy and 36 years for three charges of tampering with a deceased body Mm. And on December 3rd, 2018, Watts was moved to an out-of-state location due to security concerns. And on December 5th, 2018, he arrived at the Dodge Correctional Institute, which is a maximum security prison in, I think it's pronounced Wapoon, with <laughs> I have no idea. Wisconsin, um, to continue serving his life sentences. And then his lawyer actually was interviewed on Dr. Phil, in which case he said that Chris had confessed to killing Shannon after arguing about a divorce and uh, that because Bella had walked in, uh-huh. that is why it sort of triggered him to, you know, which is so fucked up.
1: Yes. The fact that he killed the children is so fucked up. And I didn't realize till I watched the documentary that he literally drove them 45 minutes
0: still alive Mm -hmm. like
1: what the actual
0: fuck yes and the so Shannon's body was in the back seat with them and so they're the whole time they're asking what's wrong with mommy is mommy okay where are we going it's 45 minutes in the middle of the night that is mm, terrible it was Yeah. But that is the story of the Watts family and that piece of shit, Chris. Yes, that Chris is a piece of shit. Um
1: I the first time well actually when this first happened, my mom was all on top of it. Like she was like, Have you heard about this? Like when it very first happened. Mm -hmm. And then I heard them tell the story on True Crime Garage first and they played like all of his interviews and stuff and they are sickening because like he's a piece of shit. And literally, in the documentary that you mentioned, when he goes to, like, his friends, when they're, like, kind of going around the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and asking neighbors, and they go to the neighbor's house, you remember? And Chris is talking to the neighbor, and there's a body cam on the police, Mm -hmm. and then Chris leaves, and the police stay, and that neighbor was like, something's not right. They were like, he doesn't
0: act like this Yes. Usually, police and neighbors were pretty much on to him immediately. Uh-huh. But because he's such a sociopath, he really was thinking he was getting away with something. Yeah, he was clearly um, not acting right. And then in the one program that I watched, where they analyze his body language, mm-hmm. when they go over, they go across the street to look at security footage that a neighbor has, uh, and the you know the, the neighbors play in the camera footage on mm-hmm. the TV chris doesn't watch the tv and mm-hmm. so they were hmm. like he's trying to deflect from that and never occasionally he'll look back but he's trying to deflect from it yeah um because he knows that people are watching him
1: also don't realize how he made it out of i don't realize how he thought he was going to make it through the lie detector test which i think you said like it said that he had like really erratic breathing and i almost like think that he try to do stuff to like make it seem like he was like it was just messed up like inconclusive Mm -hmm. or
0: whatever um
1: but yeah it didn't didn't bode
0: well for him yes and then he talked about how like isn't it odd that he he doesn't fake any sincerity yeah which you would think he would but it's because he's he's he physically cannot he is so such i believe it's sociopath I don't know, I can't even remember the difference. It may may be sociopath. He's got this, and he physically cannot even muster up fake emotion because he's incapable of having real emotion. It's it's fucked up. And I'm like, you wanted... Like, he had a taste of, like, not having a family because Uh earlier that year, Shady had gone, flown home to North Carolina for a few weeks. And so, you know, he could really... Do what he wanted. Do what he wanted. He could hang out with his girlfriend. He didn't have a kid, like his kids. Uh He really got a taste of life as a single man. And evidently he liked it, but just get a divorce, you piece of shit.
1: Yes, get a divorce. Um, Sorry if you don't like your kids. That's your own fucking fault. You had them, so whatever. Also, if you were a shitty person, Shanann probably wouldn't have wanted you to... be around your kids anyways.
0: Yes, and he said that when they got in the fight that she said he was literally never going to see the kids again.
1: Which, yes, I remember that part, and I was like, okay, maybe you could argue that if your wife is threatening to take your kids away from you, you get so mad that you kill her, maybe? That's not a good excuse, but, like, in theory, you could claim that that's what you did, but then you can't claim that when you also murder your children. Yeah. So... Fuck him. Sorry. Oh. This episode So was.
0: sorry that this episode sorry. is a real downer.
1: I didn't really think that... Well, I didn't think mine was going to be that much of a downer because, like... I know it's murder, but, like... That's just... I feel like when you think about those 70s cases... I think people tell, like, stories like that. Almost like... This is going to sound bad. They tell them, like, upbeat. Like, mm-hmm. the 70s murderers. But I'm like, no. They're fucking they pieces fucking of fun. shit. Yeah. But also, I think that we... We do not idolize murderers in the slightest. We are fascinating. And I like to tell the stories because I think people need to know, like, what do you need to look out for? Like, you know, you just got to be careful out here.
0: I'm always just interested in true crime because a lot of times I think that things can be prevented if you just have proper mental health treatment. and I think that that's a huge issue. You know, had someone, you know, maybe checked in and diagnosed someone with whatever they had uh-huh. you know, perhaps people could be saved so i'm just always very fascinated with the like the psychological mm-hmm. of it all that's why i really like mindhunter i yeah, want them to yeah. i've heard that they're not having a season three so fuck Damn them it. fuck them bring, bring it bring a season three what the fuck netflix is doing they're taking my Mindh- they're not gonna have a third season of mindhunter and they're taking the office off are they really yeah, thank God well, I don't pay for my
1: subscription. Damn! Well, I've watched it enough. I don't watch it. I don't watch reruns very
0: often. So yeah. Well, I'm on Taylor's Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. But thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. If you're still here, um, we're we're
1: doing another episode next week, and I promise that mine is not going to be as Debbie
0: Downerish. Um, mm-hmm. It's a surprise week. Yes. So it can be anything. Anything. We're surprising each other. We're not right, telling each other. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Mine probably will be a downer. Mine's not a downer.
1: I specifically picked one that's not a downer. Um, because this, I knew this episode was gonna be a downer. I, mine was. I knew what yours was gonna be. I knew your story before. Cause now we're having to communicate again about <laughs> because our stories. We up one week. But, so, but uh, thanks for
0: listening. Yep. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound Weird Pod. We have a Facebook group. Just type it in on Facebook.
1: You can get on in there. We have fun there. in
0: there. We do have fun in there. We're we'll uh, talking about
1: memes and shit. and shit. Posting. I sometimes will post just a regular old post. You don't ever know if it's got words in it.
0: <laughs> I hate reading, so.
1: <laughs> we also have a Twitter, and I think it's just going to sound weird. Mm-hmm. We post on there sometimes.
0: Oh. Um. Is that it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, this comes out the day... No. Yeah, this is the day after Thanksgiving. Is it? Yes. This is the day after Thanksgiving. I hope that you survived. I hope that you didn't get into too many political debates with your family members. Uh, I hope that your grandma's dry-ass turkey didn't choke you. (laughs) Yeah. I hope that maybe, you know... I hope that you got some really good deals on Black Friday. Yeah, you probably didn't because they've ruined it. But...
1: Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.